Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. This is a live recording with John Sindler and Todd Geis. Welcome, guys. Howdy. Hey. Tonight you're going to be presenting at the at the developer meeting here, talking about uh, what are you going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about GoZinc, which is our new platform for building offline mobile apps for FileMaker Go. It's very cool. Sounds pretty good. You'll see demos and stuff like that. Yeah, demos. We demoed it in Seattle last night, and yeah, it's cool. It lets you work offline and then push and pull data up to the server and back. Currently available for sale. Currently testing. What's the deal? Beta testing. Probably shipping end of the week once you get back from this trip. Which means the podcast will be going on online right around then. So be checking at uh, at different websites to look at it. No, seedcode.com slash gozinc, Z-Y-N-C. We should talk about what it is and then how to integrate it. What it is. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a set of scripts um, encased in two FileMaker files um, that you can either use on their own or integrate with your own stuff. And a mobile example file, the example file that might run on your iPad. Ours does invoicing and photos and signature capture, but the framework will let you take a mobile file you already have and push and pull that data up to your server or your mothership, whether you're using FileMaker server or not. You know, we should probably step back and say the general theory of mobile that we that a lot of people had initially was that a FileMaker database that you build in FileMaker Pro, you'd put in FileMaker Go, and the user would be connected 100% of the time, just like on their desk, which turns out to be wrong, um, because that's not the way mobile apps are really supposed to be successfully deployed. What do you think about that? There's a real difference in what people expect from a mobile app. They expect it to be really responsive. They expect it to be targeted as far as what they're doing. There's going to be a limited number of, of things on the screen, and the tasks that they're going to be doing are very targeted and very narrow. That's typically a very different experience than what you get with a normal desktop app built built for fi- built in FileMaker that's deployed on desktops, where that solution may be running the entire company. That's not the experience that people want or expect on a mobile device. Given that as sort of a starting point, uh, what we've kind of come up with is that you really want to build a targeted app that runs just on your iPad or your or your iPhone contains those limited screens that do what you need to do out in the field, not the entire operations of the company, but just those things that you're doing while you're out of the office, and that it's going to actually store its data locally. And that turns out to be that the way that most native mobile apps work, is they actually bring the data down, they store it in a local database, and as the data is changed, they push it back up to the server and get new data down. Sure. Think about like all the apps that, that come with the iPad, right? Calendar, mail, if you have like an IMAP email or MobileMe sure. or, or Gmail. They all do it that that's way. That's the beauty of them is that they can work offline. You know, the use case for mobile is one hand walking, right? So it's, the screens have to be designed with a different interface, but it also has to like kind of open and be ready as soon as you turn the device on. And the way you get there, at least with the current version of FileMaker Go, is to have the thing running locally. I wonder if somebody owns onehandwalking.com. <laughs> you can check it out right away. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it turns out to be really important. There are a lot of, there are a lot of issues that get solved if you put the file on the device. Uh, shaky connections, if you're walking on the edge of a 3G network or you walk out of Wi-Fi and you go onto 3G, that turns out to be pretty difficult for FileMaker Go to handle smoothly. So um, it's just much better if you, have that, if you have that application interface running locally and then exchanging data up to the server and, and pulling data down only when you have an internet connection that's, that's good. So... Um, that's really the case for it, and there's a lot of sort of little nuances to that, a lot of things we had to solve, how to make sure the data gets up there completely and doesn't get halfway put up before the Internet connection dies, um, how do you deploy a new version of the mobile file down to the app in a, in a nice way that people are also expecting now. They want to be able just to hit that button that says update and 
get a new version. So we solved that. We solved the incomplete data transfer issues. We solved cleaning up the, the connection so they're not left with this uh, ha- sort of half-open state, which can occur. And uh, we'll bundle that all up in a set of scripts and example files, and, and that's really what Gozink is all about. So it solves a lot of pretty expensive problems, and, uh, and it's pretty cool. Especially the thing I like was the automatic distribution of an updated client. Yeah. That is so cool. So if you've got 10 people out there with... Um, with apps, and they would log in, and they're like on a slow 3G. It's like, oh, a new version of your app. Do you want it now? It's like, no, I'm on a 3G. I'll wait till I get home on my home Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's how, that's how it works. It, it's very cool, and especially yeah, as a developer, it's really easy to be coding. And you don't have to drag. You just put this little button to upload the app, and then on your iPad, you just kind of download the app and test it. So as a developer, it's kind of really fun to work like this. You know, it's, it's, it's much easier than dragging it over to iTunes and dragging it back or emailing files to yourself. And, and then what we're talking about tonight is just kind of some of the cool stuff that we've run into along the way. Like, you know, how do you make this stuff transactional? What kind of error trapping do we do in Go? What's going on with the server? Just some neat stuff. Transaction turns out to be pretty huge. And Todd, you actually gained a lot of notoriety a few years ago at DevCon. Notoriety is a, that's, a, that's good, a good one, yeah. Um, by really sort of sounding that trumpet that that uh, database transactions are key. And I took those messages totally to heart um, in my own development and improved things quite a bit in, in accounting software and other things I've done by understanding that and passing the acid test. I still remember that those sessions you did. That was awesome. And that turned out to be hugely useful. It's way more so in an in a unreliable or, you know, kind of environment that you have with an iPad compared to a gigabit Ethernet network on your desktop computer. Yeah, there, there's actually a couple of things. I mean, we talked a lot about shaky networks so far because that's certainly the reality once you're out there walking, walking down the street with one hand, you know, typing. But, um, but there's actually other problems with mobile devices. Um, simply hitting the home button, for example, will stop whatever script is running. In fact, this is kind of a... Um, it's kind of an interesting fact. And then on, on an iPhone or an iPad in FileMaker Go, there's no guarantee that the script is running, that, that a script that is running will complete running. There's no guarantee. So if you, if, if you want to make sure that your script is actually doing what you believe it should be doing, as far as updating data, changing records, deleting records, creating records, you really have to think about doing it transactionally. Otherwise, if the phone rings, if they're on an iPhone, and you're in the middle of updating a bunch of records, you really don't you really don't have any way of knowing what got updated and what didn't. So transactions turn out to be really important to managing a FileMaker Go uh, application that's pushing data up to the server. That's one other thing too, isn't it? Actually, faster isn't it net net less data to do a transaction? It's not net less data uh, as much as it is, but it is uh, less commit. So normally, if you think about looping through a set of records, updating them, or creating a bunch of records, every time that you move on from one record to another in a loop. You've you've told FileMaker to save that record at that moment, so you've you've made a commit. Um, when that happens, there's a cost to that. FileMaker has to send up all all the stuff back to the server. The server has to write it all the disk, and it has to get a notification back. And that all has to happen before you get to the next record and you open up the record for editing. If you if you do it in a transaction, what happens is you open the record, you open a parent record, you start editing it and any and any related records that you want to. And that can be unlimited numbers. I've done tests with 100,000 records that have been opened up, but left open and not committed until I'm done. So in that case, we do one commit and we can, we can update 100,000 records, whatever, in one commit. So it actually is a lot faster when you're doing uh, a large number of record updates. Right. 
And what Zinc is doing, I mean, we there are a lot of speed issues with, with Zinc. When we've done transactions in this case, we have kind of collapsed all the record and its children into a single kind of t object. We set that once, not into your main solution, which may have big indexes and be mm -hmm. slow to open, but into an intermediary file. So we make that touch point as small and as fast as possible. And it turns out there are all sorts of other little benefits to using that intermediary file. And, you know, so the mobile user doesn't have to have authentication for your main solution. Your main solution doesn't necessarily have to be outside the firewall. I mean, there's all sorts of kind of interesting stuff that can happen there. It's really cool. It's cool, man. <laughs> and it's funny because this transaction stuff, you know, was an issue in Pro. I mean, we all think about it now because we're like, wow, man, you're going to lose connection to the server when you close that iPad or when you break connection. But really, all you're losing is the ability to write to a, a record in the server. And that can happen in just a regular pro deployment. You lose the write access when there's record lock or when a file crashes. And, you know, smart developers have been dealing with that for a long time. You know, and Todd started this stuff with transactions way before Go. Because he was in cases like accounting where you had to post, you know, and we, the stuff you're doing with Orpheus where you have to be right. Well, Todd started this stuff back before computers were invented. It was, on, <laughs> I think you were doing transaction stuff on ENIAC at the beginning, right? No, no, it was worse than that. It was, it, it, it was actually it was with the, Turing. Sticks and Stones. Sticks and Stones, <laughs> but it was before Alan Turing yeah, even? Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I used to scratch in the dirt, and, that, and that's where it came from. Way back, way back in the beginning. Yeah, COD. <laughs> We're all feeling very nostalgic these days. <laughs> old, maybe. Old, I guess. I'm the old one, man. I'm looking down. I have this five and a half pound laptop. I was working on Todd's MacBook Air, and it's like one of those fake computers you see at the furniture store. I almost knocked it over. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I love the Air. The Air is my favorite Mac I've had in ever, I think, maybe. I had the 12-inch Mac, actually, 12-inch PowerBook G4, maybe, which I totally loved. It was just so nice. I had Mighty Cat, you know, the 2400 way back when, little black thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. But don't you, you don't, you don't have like, like little twinges of uh, competition between your pad and your MacBook Air? You're like, God, why do I need the Air? I'm just going to take my iPad around. No, I uh, actually, uh, when I take the Air, I always have the iPad as well. Me too. The because I use the app that turns the iPad into a, an, a second monitor over Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. I haven't done that, but I typically have both with me when I travel. Now, I don't think I could have an Air if I didn't have a tower at home. I don't think I could use an Air as my main development computer. I think I'd need something bigger. But you were saying that posture-wise, you're finding the Air much more ergonomic for you. I than... do. It's interesting. The angle of the keyboard to the screen uh, on a laptop is is really nice. And I, I found that since I switched to a tower where that angle isn't the same, I'm not as comfortable. And I'm looking for ways to uh, modify my desk to be able to create that same angle of keyboard to, yeah. to monitor. Yeah. Problem is I have three monitors, so it's going to be an interesting setup to pull that off. Yeah. Let me ask you guys a question about your, your iPads. I got the iPad 2 largely because of something Jesse Oh, you're still using the 2? Oh, the 3 is really cool. Eat me. So Jesse said something interesting. He's like, you know, the thing with the 2, it's not that much different, but I no longer feel when I take it somewhere that I'm making a productivity sacrifice just for lightweight. I'm really more or less as productive doing email and stuff on that device as I am on my laptop. And that's not 100% true for me, but it really is true that I don't feel like I'm giving up a productivity thing just to take my pad with me. Email and, and fog bugs and the stuff I run the business on is really, it's, I mean, is that the same for you? Or are you like, yeah, I'm taking the iPad and I, don't, I can't really do what I really need to. I'm actually loving how different approaches are we have to our own iPads and our own life. You know, on my iPad, I do email with it some and I do web server with some. Mostly I'm using it for games. Mostly I'm getting creamed by the Barnums and Words with Friends. Um, um, Jesse and Sam are both really, really good wordsmiths. Um, occasionally I beat Jesse. Sam, no, not we so should, much. We should have teams of words against friends. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't... Um, 
use my my iPad for much other than email and reading and surfing the internet. I, I do some web app stuff, Gmail, things like that. Maybe my accounting package, which, which runs online, but I can't do FileMaker. You know, so with, yeah, there's no development there. There's not a lot of content creation outside of email. Maybe some numbers docs, some Word docs. So when I really need to create something, I need to be on my laptop or my desktop. There does seem to be yeah. division so, between worker and manager. Right? I think for, I think for us as developers. We're using iPads quite a bit differently than I think our customers will. And that's kind of fundamentally different from the way we use our computers. Because we use, we use our computers to create content just like our clients do. But we expect that our, our clients are actually going to use the iPad to, end, to actually do productive work with it, which we don't really do so much ourselves in our own business. Also, we're all in businesses of one person. We're not on teams where we have you know, some, some concentration, um, like, a, like a, a team of sales reps or something that's out in the field. Or working in the medical office. I mean, I've talked to so many people uh, on the on the business and database solutions for iPhone and iPad. Nice short name. Nice name. Podcast. Um, uh, who are using the iPad and the, and the iPhone and FileMaker Go successfully in business and all kinds of different businesses. This is this is like something Todd was talking about on the train on the way down about how you know we're looking for mobile applications within the customers we already have. What yeah, we talking and about? they're and they're not mobile customers, right? Because we've been selling. Um, all of our solutions into into situations where mobile was not a big deal because FileMaker up until recently didn't handle mobile very well. Right? I mean, we basically had you needed to be on a network. It was best if you were everything was in one location. So we, so all so all the customers that we've been dealing with for years and years and years weren't really mobile type customers. And then overnight we get this new tool which opens up this whole new world of mobile businesses and there's a lot of them i mean there are a lot of there are a lot of businesses out there that are just made up of people running around visiting either either businesses or homes and doing stuff like inspecting buildings um doing plumbing um i just had a guy over did mold inspection with his ipad i mean there there are tons of this stuff and those are businesses that actually don't have big back-end systems like we would like traditionally has filemaker consultants have worked on yeah that's right i mean they they have been running basically um, unless they were a super big company like FedEx or UPS, they haven't had a mobile device that they could afford that they could use or they could develop anything on. Now they do. Now they have an iPad and it's reasonably priced. And now they have FileMaker Go, which is reasonably priced. And with a couple of simple tools, we can create stuff that's very useful for them that was way beyond the reach of what could be done just a year ago. Yeah. But I don't think we've adjusted that to that new reality yet as a community. We're still kind of looking around and we, we haven't figured out that these are the these are new people that we have to go talk to. They're not our old customers. I mean, I mean if, you, if you call up a law firm, they're working in the office most of the time. Yeah. They don't really have a need for mobile, probably. They have little, they have little calendaring needs and stuff. Yeah, but, you they know, have, yeah they have, but, but those are all handled by the by the by like Zulu, for example. Right. Yeah, so that, that way they can use the native app on the device. They yeah, actually exactly. they don't know they're interacting with FileMaker at the back end yeah. by by going into the calendar so on their iPad. We have customers where. Previously, the only way we could justify the ROI of our, for our consulting was with information workers and knowledge workers, yeah. right? And now we have a whole different type of worker, the mobile worker, which isn't necessarily a knowledge worker or an information worker. They're gathering data out in the field. That's the, that's the, the touch point. It's very, very task-focused, right? Yeah. These guys, when they're out there, they're not out there doing a lot of, like, project management, you know, or, or designing um, new buildings. Or they, are, they are focused on a list of things that they have to do, and they're doing those things. And that's it. At the end of the day, they upload their data and they go home. It's very different than what we've been dealing with before. 
and the, the knowledge worker who's out of the office, you know, they've got stuff, right? They've got log me in. Yeah. They're, they can use their, their iPad to get back into the office, right? They don't need a mobile app necessarily that for, for us. The people who need the mobile app, I think what was so neat about what you said on the train is like, those aren't our customers yet. We're, we're scurrying around looking for these use cases within our customers, and we're finding some. Yeah. But the real compelling stuff, you know, like I'm a mechanical inspector. I have 150 people all over the country running around doing inspections. I need to give them software. The, so far, those haven't been our customers because we didn't have a great answer for that. Yeah. So yeah. Where, are, where are those people going, and how do we get them to look at Go? Those are good questions. Those are very good questions. I'm looking for answers, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you know what, what we attempted to do was, was solve what we saw were, were some of the constraints in, in actually building those solutions. Because they're just when, – when, when we actually sat down to, to try to build these things, we hit some walls having to do with we need a local file. We need to work offline. We need it to be fast. So those things are, are I think, solved about as well as they're going to be um, using GoZinc. And so now we, we have a platform that we can take to customers and give them real ROI, uh, something that they could not do a, just a year ago. And, and, and now we can get it done. And we'll see where it goes. You know, we'll stop. We'll stop telling those customers and stop talking to them about hosting and Citrix and um, Salesforce and everything, and just start making software for them. Yeah, yeah. I think actually what's going to happen is we're going to a few, a uh, handful, maybe I don't know, maybe more uh, developers are going to be embracing GoZinc right away, and they're going to be really diving into it and, and using it as a foundational platform to build things for these industries. Because the problem that you solve with GoZinc is a really, really big one for people who need to be able to communicate like this. And there's no way, you know, to roll your own would be really horrendously expensive and you wouldn't end up doing it as well as you have. So, um, I don't know. Is that kind of what you're thinking? You'd see sort of some early adopters? Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, we do have several people who are interested already and they're already in the beta program. And these are people that mobile makes a lot of sense for. And, And several of them our vertical market guys, and so they have they have a customer base where part of what they do is a mobile app, and it, you know does require a mobile app or needs a mobile app, and so they were sort of the first people that said, hey, you know, where do we sign? This is something we that we need to get They've into. They've got a mobile app. They just want to take it offline. Yeah. They want that thing to work. Start working offline. So yeah. it's really easy for them. Pre one, my old uh, my old job. Uh, a big portion of their customers are display sales reps, right? They just sell display ads, and they spend most of their time out of the office, and they have a FileMaker-based application. That seems like a pretty natural fit there. Yeah, it sure could. I mean, I mean, again, one of the nice things about the way the, the way we built GoZinc is is that you don't have to take sort of what you built for the office and just plop it onto the uh, onto the iPad or the iPhone. You can actually build something that's very that's very well targeted for for what they're doing out in the field. You and put a you put a, a iPhone ringtone on your Android? Yeah, it's pretty neat, huh? Yeah. Nice. Your Motorola uh, exactly. Razor? My Motorola Zoom or whatever that... Pink Razor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not pink. The thing that's, with, that's fuchsia. The thing that's neat about uh, Zinc <laughs> is that not only are there no changes required to the mothership yeah. solution, no changes in order for the mothership to get huge work, yeah, which is yeah. huge, but the mobile file, whatever's running on the iPad or the iPhone needs to have no schema and doesn't need any schema in common with the mothership. You can build whatever constraints you want, which frees up you to do a number of things. You can have separate developers build the local files, right? They don't need to know anything about the served files. And because it's loosely coupled like that, you can take two different development tracks, right? You can keep the accounts don't need to be the same because we have this intermediary file. You know, Todd talks about it being loosely coupled. Yep. The other thing that I think is really huge is that the backend database doesn't need to be FileMaker, right? Once the data comes into the intermediary file, we can we use set fields to move that data. Those set fields can be into ESS sources. So I could use DB2? 
<laughs> nice. That's what, that's what they use at the state, and that's my reaction every time. <laughs> Sorry, not DB2, but certainly MySQL, Oracle, um, SQL Server. Or something, or something else that's been updated since 1953. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You got it. But yeah, it, it's... Sort of, work, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it does work with these ESS solutions, and that, to me, is really exciting because if you're a business that has all your data in SQL Server or in MySQL or in Oracle, um, FileMaker Go and GoZinc is a really compelling combination to, to be able to give your mobile workforce a really tightly tightly built, tightly focused application that can, that can exchange data with your enterprise database. And, you know, I, I know, you know, even personally, when, when I hear, you know, oh, you can connect to SQL, I'm like, well, that's great, except that the people who have the SQL store won't talk to me. But what's neat about GoSync, because it's so loosely coupled, remember the designer of the mobile file doesn't need to know about the schema of the, of the repository, the source, where the data is going, doesn't need the authentication, doesn't need anything. So as a developer, I can build the mobile app, hook it up to GoSync connector, which is the intermediary file, deliver connector to the IT department, and say, hey, here are all these instructions seed code wrote for how to get that data into your ESS source. Have a blast. You have, the, you have the schema of the ESS. You have the authentication. I don't need to know any of that stuff. It's really freeing. Yeah, in fact, it's more than freeing. And one of the problems with, uh, with big, uh, big databases like this is they're often very tightly controlled. And they have a, they have a guy whose job it is basically to make sure that every, anybody who has update rights to that server is you know, well-vetted and has given away their firstborn child and all those things. Mm-hmm. Well, what this does, again, because it's, it's loosely coupled is there's only one place where that data is getting exchanged. And it can be very tightly managed, and it doesn't have to have anything to do with your mobile solution. It's almost like a WSDL kind of a connection, where you have a web service connection loosely coupled. It, it is. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, it is to some degree. I mean, one way to think about what we've done is we've created an API for your mothership, for the, for the main solution up there. And we have this, this format, this data exchange format, which is what we use to push and pull data. And it's all going through one point. It's going through this connector file. And that's the only file that needs access to the main system. Um, everything else doesn't. So your mobile file, again, doesn't have to know anything about your, the main solution at all. It just gets the data down in a format it understands, and it sends data back up in a format that the server understands. That's it. So like a WSDL, except that, you know, WSDLs are require plugins and stuff. And this is just all natural FileMaker stuff. You know, it's, it's fairly simple to use. You know, once the data is up into Connector, you're in FileMaker land. In fact, what we do, the kind of neat thing, once you get goes and kind of see how it works, we take every field that's in your mobile file and we give it to you as a local variable of the same name. And that's how, we tra- that's how it comes, kind of unpacks itself. So once you have like 30 variables that describe your customer, you can start setting fields, making records, check for dupe. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, I think it's important to know, we may not have mentioned this, but there's no plugins involved here. This is 100% FileMaker, pure native no trickery. I mean, we're just using normal FileMaker stuff. We've just laid it out in a way that's very robust and very loosely coupled, which is quite useful. That's cool. So I, one of the things that I'm interested in is the really, the really nasty things that you had to solve. Like, what were the worst things that you had to really spend a lot of time trying to figure out? Oh, well, we had this really big problem. Let's try this. No, that didn't work. Let's try this. No, that didn't work. And on the 18th iteration, poof, the right solution <laughs> came up to you. Yeah, there were there were a few. Um, there were there were a few things that were a little surprising. One is that FileMaker Go, uh, when it loses connection to a served file, it has a really difficult time with that. It doesn't really 
always understand that it's lost connection or that it or other times it continues to ask you to reconnect to the host and there's no way to deal with that once it starts asking you know give me back to the host give me back to the host it sort of makes your solution unusable yeah that's a filemaker internal thing that steps in front of it whatever other processes are going on yeah there there's no way around it so we had to make sure that the connection to the server when you exchange data has to be broken cleanly and there's no chance that it can be it can be a broken by leaving the network area because if you do that, there are issues that are that are difficult to get around. Um, so that was one of the ones that that's I didn't terrific. I didn't think about. I didn't think that was going to be an issue, but it, but it turned out to be. And that's the hardest thing to test as a developer to go yeah. through the cycles to, to specifically break your connection. It was actually I mean I mean John tried to, he like put it in his oven, you know, to try to see if he could break the connection. What I ended up doing was was I'd go into my in the, it was in my office in my house and I I set up the connection and then I would just start walking down the street until the connection would break and I'd watch what happens. <laughs> it's really hard to have a tight iteration cycle when your loop uh, includes looping around the neighborhood. You can't just hit the hit the close button on the yeah. iPad, right? Because that that's the simplest disconnect to deal yeah. with. Right, it's yeah. too clean, right? The yeah. network's starting to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's like oh, I'm on edge now. No, I have 3G. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that 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 was tricky and I, and I didn't expect it, but we were able to solve it. Um, the other, there's been some others. I mean, one of the other things I think is really nice about what we do is manage that deployment out, out to all the clients. When you're using say Dropbox or iTunes or email, what happens is you end up with a bunch of copies of that, of that solution in, in, in that FileMaker, um, folder, each with data, each with data and each with a number, which, you know, is serial. It's a nightmare. So we wanted to be able to, when you open the app, alert the user that there's a new version and let them click a button and have that download the new version, overwrite the old version, and relaunch them exactly back to where they were. Cleaning up the connection. Cleaning up the connection all, uh, you know, as part of that and process. make sure that any data in the old version is kept. Destroyed. Destroyed. Or, or yeah. posted. Now, oh, now yeah, that, yeah. Or yeah, posted. Yeah, that's exactly. Posted. We, we're already checking it. Now, that's just a choice we, that, that we made in the example file that we ask you to make sure you post all your data before you do that. But if it was a product catalog... Right, that you know, it was just something that brings right. stuff down. Then, yeah. yeah, we wouldn't need to worry about the data. We would just yeah. destroy and recreate. Yeah. There is another great er- issue we're going to be talking about tonight: is that when we explode these things into variables, right? So we have a variable for you called first name and a variable called last name, and you get to do what you want with that. Uh-huh. We want to make sure that when you write scripts to take care of that, you don't misspell one of the variables or change the name or something. Which is right? really easy to do. Right? So yeah, when we're doing the really, I've never misspelled it. So it's interesting, right? You'll know that FileMaker doesn't know, right? If you set a field to a variable that is misspelled. FileMaker doesn't know the difference between that and a variable that's just containing no data. But GoZinc does. It knows if you've misspelled the variable. And then this turned out to be really important. When, when we did our first integrations, um, one of the hardest things was actually getting the variables right. I mean, it sounds weird, but, but if you have, we had like four or five tables, 10 or 20 fields in each table. So, so you're talking about 100 different variable names. And these are systems we didn't write. Right? Yeah. We're integrating for somebody else. Yeah. So it's not like it's in your head. Yeah. You can never remember whether it was first name or name first. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so actually a lot of the bugs that we, would, that we, that we hit do, doing the integration were simply that we didn't know the variable names and that we didn't spell them correctly or, or whatever. So, so we worked pretty hard to get that solved so that we taught GoZinc how to tell whether or not you misspelled a variable, which is pretty sweet. We also did some things that automatically generate the instructions for you to tell you exactly what you need to do in these scripts that tie the stuff together. So there's, there's no guesswork. It takes your schema and says, here's your schema, here's what you need to do to connect your schema to the mothership. It really is kind of incredible. You know, the documentation in our calendar is really, really cool. But the documentation in GoZinc 
is kind of like create a script called new, you know, manufacturing blowhole whatever your table's called right and and it just walks you through the how'd you know that was the name of my table <laughs> yeah. i can tell that um and and it, it's really nice it's, i think uh the air trapping that todd did and the doc this kind of doc generator is yeah. it's really some of the nicest stuff i've seen in a long time it's it's not generic docs it's docs for your solution so it knows about your scheme it knows what you've at what what you what you're trying to connect up and it says okay i've i i'm i get what you're trying to do Here's what you, what you need to do to finish it. And here are exactly the names you need to use and exactly where to put the scripts and all that kind of stuff. I'm hoping you haven't kept track of the no- hundreds of hours you put into this. <laughs> no, Todd, uh, Todd likes to build things just because they're difficult, right? Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. so he's forgone lots of billable work to get this thing done. It's, just, it's, all, it's all love. It's really I, can, I can understand. We're giving it away. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's just all for the love. Yeah, giving it away. <laughs> it will feel like that, yeah. no matter what the price finally settles on, right? I know. We have to decide pricing over the next couple of days. And yeah. So cool. we're, we're getting feedback from the beta team, and we'll see. Yeah, you, I don't know. It's a, that beautiful balance of getting it out there to the right people and, you know, motivating. Yeah, and charging yeah. for what it's worth, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it's tough. Pricing isn't as hard as naming things. And Todd got the name, right? Go Zinc, and he calls it Zinc because it sounds like sync but isn't. And that's really true. It's good. That's stuck. That came on the first day we were talking about this, that, that, that sort of idea. That's what we should call it. And I didn't really expect it to stick. But then later, John sent me the first version of the documentation, and there it was. That's right. <laughs> so that's, that's where we're at. Go Zinc. Sounds like Sync, but it isn't. What other cool things have you guys seen lately in the FileMaker land? Oh, man. I don't know. Like, can I, you, so, yeah, well, if people haven't seen this yet, there's a thing called FM X-ray specs. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, I haven't heard about this. Oh, uh, it's nice. So it's by, God, I'm going to be terrible. David Ramsey, and I'm not going to get the URL right, but if you Google FM X-ray specs, and a little kudos to, like, the best new product icon I've seen in a long time. Huh. But um, what it does is if you're looking at a layout in FileMaker and fire this thing off, it grabs the XML from the layout, parses it, throws it up into a database. It's all written in uh, live code, so it's a separate app, mm-hmm. and displays uh, a crosstab of the location and um, description of all script triggers on the layout. And it also does all the tool tips and a bunch of other stuff. So it's stuff that you can't see easily. It kind of shows it to you. And, of course, if you hover over them, you see definitions. And really nicely cool. done, good UI, pretty slick, and it's fast. And like unlike you know the big tools like Inspector and Base Elements, it's more like uh, the FM2 Empower thing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Right. It answers the question like right there. Yeah, right then, yeah. Right. The FM2 Empower thing is great when you're just wanting to, you're, you're in your scripts and you want to find some particular thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I wish I'd had this just the other day when I knew that somewhere on this this nasty layout with with hundreds of objects there was an object named New Dot. And I knew the and I but I couldn't find it. I couldn't see it. It was invisible. It was stacked somewhere. So I so, so I had to use the design functions to get the coordinates, and then create a little a little black square with the exact same coordinates, and then I knew where it was. That was the only way that I could find this thing. If I'd had if I'd had this tool, it would have been easy. The neat thing about the tool is like let's say you've got a grid, big grid layout, right, and everything on the grid is script triggered. And all those script triggers are on object enter, except that you foobarred one, and yeah. one is on object modify. Yeah. That's invisible to you. Yeah. But it's not to this. It just shows up as a dot in a different column in the crosstab. Yeah. It's good stuff. David Ramsey is like, I've known him for years. and like, this is really solid stuff. He's been yeah. doing great FileMaker work for a while, but this is like, it's a very nice little app. He stole it. He stole it. <laughs> no, I take, I take that right back. 
<laughs> I've, I've been playing with uh, CC Pivot lately, too, yeah. which I think is pretty cool. Well, I loved how fast I was able to get it to do what I wanted it to do. It was really neat. Court and David are, like, way, they go way back together. Oh. They're, they're, like, old friends. But, yeah, CC Pivot's neat. So you did you use That's it? That's who David stole it from, Court. <laughs> no. Don't start things you like start that, dude. Wars. That's going to be awful. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, gentlemen. <laughs> So Pivot's cool. You like it, right? I do. Yeah, yeah. I bought a copy of it just on on a whim and stuck it up on the server and connected it to, to Orpheus and to a couple of other databases I work with um, because it solved a reporting problem that I've had in, you know, which instantly, was? which was this whole cross-type thing, right? The ability to to summarize data and, and um, turn columns into rows and vice versa. And I had a lot of related data properly following normal forms and it's really hard to get data out of it sometimes um and the methods we were looking at to do it are pretty big i mean um you know calculated fields or other different ways you can do that to try to turn uh related data into a like a static column yeah and this does it you know very, very easily. Very fast, right? And the number of columns and the number of subheads in each column and sub rows is all dynamic, right? Based on what filters you choose to, what he calls it, slice by, right? Yeah, yeah. And the interface is actually something I can train users to do. And then when you actually set up a little cross-tab report, it saves that as a, as a set of records. Yeah. And then you can re-trigger it just by running it and modify it. And it runs against a live data set. Um, yeah, cool. so it's pretty cool. So we'll actually be able to – this is not something I'll be able to, to put into an application necessarily for all users. But for the subset of users who really need to be able to get significant reports, five or ten people, I can easily train and say, here's this really cool tool that you can use. Because yeah. these people are used to using SPSS and SAS right, and sure. R and these other really, really heavy-duty um, reporting stats tools. Yeah, stats, R. <laughs> You know about R? Yeah, yeah. I have some friends in science, so I've, I know I've a lot of people who use R. <laughs> what really tripped me out, having never heard of it, was if you Google the letter R, it comes up as the first link. Yeah. I'm like, what? It's a big deal, and it's gotten a lot of press lately. That's been oh, yeah? very, very hot. Yeah. Someone showed it to me. It's so completely 1979 technology to actually use it. Typing commands, loading data in. It's really, really unfriendly, it's but hard. powerful. It's hard. very powerful. People, it's like programming. Like real programming. Yeah. So here we are, uh, Todd, having talked about these two cool things we've seen. And, you, you know, you're always like, there's nothing new under the sun. It's all been done. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Yeah. Well, no, there, there's definitely some interesting things. I mean, certainly the stuff coming out of, out of C code and 360 works has been very interesting. Yeah. With the, with, with the CalDAV cool. and the Thanks. CarDAV and the Google, the Google, uh, the, the Google syncing. The Google. The Google. Yeah, the big Google. All the Googling. All the Googling that's going on. It's pretty, pretty hot. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, we'll see new stuff at DEF CON. Yeah, definitely. So. It'll be very interesting to see what people are coming up with. Oh, you guys are going? Cool. Nice. I might show up. I don't know. I, I got an appointment there one you, day. You got an appointment? Yeah. I got an appointment on the last day. Last second to last session. We had a bet on the train coming down that the loser of the bet would do their session in shorts. But it was, it was really kind of a draw. It was for, a draw. Fortunately. Very, very fortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks very much for your time. Looking forward to more. Good talking, man. Thanks. Thanks very much. <laughs>